door. Praise is an open door. Praise is an open door. Praise is an open door. Thank you, music ministry, young people, hype for leading us in worship on today. Wherever you are, I pray you are in your living room, you're in your den, wherever you are, you ought to be praising God right now. He's an open door that God's power and presence would be in your life right now. If you're not hyped, I'm hyped for you just because of how worshipful these young people have been. And we just give God praise and thanksgiving for their spirit, for their leading us, for their devotion unto God. Amen. Amen. I applaud you. I applaud you. Today's text has been read for us and I pray that you would just indulge us as we continue on this journey. In the, um, in the book of Revelation. And I want to talk just briefly. I, I, I messed up. I got to admit, young people, I messed up. I probably should have had a woman preaching today. I apologize. Not God made me the way God intended. So I don't apologize for not being woman. Uh, but I apologize that I didn't think to have a young woman preach for Women's History Month. So we'll do that next time. Amen? Amen. Um, but today, y'all stuck with me. So, um, wake up and open the door. Wake up and open the door. God, I come before you asking that you would fill us with your power and your presence once again. Thank you for all that has transpired in this worship experience. I am simply ordained dust, but all that I am and all that I am not is available unto you. So use us for your service, preacher and people, people and preacher, so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Woke. Woke is a term that the culture, hip-hop culture, defines as being alert to an unjust society. And it's not limited, but when you're, you're, you're woke, you're sensitive to certain things, particularly and especially to racism. Childish Gambino capitalized on the term and had a hit song and said, if you want it, you can have it, but stay woke. During the presidential election in 2020, there was a big push, stay woke and vote. Woke is for those who are socially, economically, and dare I say spiritually conscious. The counter to being woke is sleeping with your eyes wide open. Those who believe that we live in a post-racial world are sleeping with their eyes wide open. Their eyes are wide open, but they're sleeping to the Breonna Taylors and the George Floyds. They're sleeping with their eyes wide open uh, uh, when uh, a white young male can inexplicably and inexcusably and without provocation kill a group of Asian Americans and it, get dis and it not be described as it is as a hate crime. Instead, his racist rampage gets described as an addict having a bad day. Stay woke. 
can even be applied to the church. As a matter of fact, before there was hip-hop and before there were culture vultures who would snatch and mimic our creativity in one breath and disrespect us in the next, there was Jesus. And Jesus was saying to the church then and even to us today, stay woke. What do you mean, preacher? Jesus, in the book of Matthew, the 24th chapter, the 41st verse, he says, stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And here we are, two millennia later, 245 years since the founding of this republic and this nation, and we still haven't gotten it right. We, America, the greatest country in the world, With all of our advances and all of our freedoms, we still fall victim to sleep, to sleep, to slumber, to catching Z's. We we like to think because of all the advances that we have, we are better than, but the truth is we are just like the ancient cities of Sardis and Laodicea. Sardis, the first part, the first uh, church that uh, John was addressing, Sardis was a city that sat on, on a huge hill, 1,500-foot uh, uh, hill. He was at, at the apex of this huge hill. And it's kind of hard for us to imagine, but if you, would, if you know any of the large buildings in New York City, the largest residential tower is called Central Park Tower. It's the largest building. It, it towers everything that you can see the entire city. This was where the city of Sardis sat. And the thing about Sardis is that it was, there was one narrow road that led up to it. You couldn't address it because on the other sides it was uh, a cliff and there were uh, uh, very sharp um, um, manners to you, for you to go up onto these hills. And so there was really one way in and one way out. And so the city, because it sat up on the hill, they thought they were safe. They thought they were were impenetrable. They thought because when things went wrong, they could just go up to the hill and hide. But Sardis was was the place that uh, uh, we remember. Anyone remember Aesop's fables? Sardis was the place that that Aesop lived, and he penned those fables. You remember the fables of Aesop, uh, uh, the the ant and the grasshopper, uh, when he tells you the story of uh, the grasshopper who had a fiddle and played all summer long and autumn came and he had nothing, uh, no harvest because he didn't plan anything. The ants worked so hard and we learned lessons from Aesop that um, there's a time for work and there's a time for play. Sardis was the place that had um, the first place where they minted gold and silver coins. Sardis had been one of the greatest cities in the world. Sardis was the place to be. And yet... Three times, Sardis got invaded. And each time, the enemy entered because the guards were sleeping. Although they were up on the pinnacle, although they were living uh, a high life, every single time they messed up, it was because they were sleeping. So by the time John writes to them, by the time John is writing, they were a shell of what they had been, and the people had grown lazy and degenerate and complacent. Sardis was dying because of apathy and indifference. Apathy, indifference, that is, they could care less. They, they, they were only uh, barely concerned about themselves, and so the city was proud of its reputation, but that's all it had left was its reputation. 
Sardis was dead while it was living. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine to be alive and yet dead? Can you imagine? Let me, let me try to contextualize this. Can you imagine being a social media influencer? Having millions follow you and, and all you need to do is just say one thing and everyone flocks to that one thing. Say another thing and other folks flock to that, that, that you knew who you were. And as soon as you mentioned their name, you got attention. Well, that's who they used to be. But they were living off of their past. See, that's a life that Jesus said is as good as dead. They were living in the past. The church at Sardis was, was fighting for the good old days, the way it used to be. And, and, and I want to caution young people today. I, I want to I, I challenge you even. Because we miss, because that, that's something yeah, older folks always say, pastor said he's not old. He's not old, and I certainly am not old. But... Uh, uh, I want to caution you when we, as we begin to move forward, and even some of the dialogue I've heard and listened about what church is going to look like going forward. Don't think about the good old days of 2019. 2020, we're going to race. But 2019 and 2018, because the church in 2021 and 2022 and 23 and 24, that's going to be the hype that you design, the hype that you figure out. It's going to be the church that you, because it can't look like it did before. You are not like the other young people before. You are uniquely you. God has created you for a time such as this. I wasn't created to be in the t be a young person in the time of 22, 23. But I am here to let you know that you have a great work to do. You see, Jesus was telling the church at Sardis, and he's telling even the church today, don't, don't rely on your past. Don't rely on the things. That was nice. It was good what you've done. But the best is yet to come. He says that in verse 5. He said, if you conquer, you will be clothed like them in white robes. What he's saying this is that, that the, the reward of going forward is that you will receive this white robe. If you are uh, uh, in this fight, and let me just remind you, if you didn't know, you are in a fight. You're in a fight for your right. You're in a fight for your life. You see... Your fight and the results can't rest on your reputation and the number of likes that you get. Because you can get a whole bunch of likes today and no one will visit your site tomorrow. The fight is for your soul. And, and Jesus said, if you conquer, and, and if you conquer, that, that is that if you listen, if you are on God's side, and, and most, most Christians don't like to deal with this book of Revelation because Jesus gives it to us straight, no chaser. He's laser focused. He's R-A-W. And, and listen to this verse three, and this is when you know he's serious. He says, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. Man. Jesus says, I will come like a thief. You never know when thieves show up. That's why they're thieves. A good thief shows up unexpectedly. 
And I, I know this, is, this is, seems paradoxical, but, but Jesus doesn't do anything poorly. So when he says, I'm going to show up like a thief, he's, he's warning followers to wake up and follow Christ. Wake up and follow him. He says, because I'm going to take without asking. I'm going to take without permission. I'm going to take that which is valuable. He's warning followers to wake up. But watch this. Waking up is not enough. Wake up and see new ways of ministry. Even in this COVID world, waking up and serve the Lord with gladness. Wake up and come before him with thanksgiving. Wake up. That looks different every generation. And we've got to wake up. And so uh, uh, that waking up is just the beginning because Jesus then goes and says that waking up is not enough. See, because when you're awake, that means that you're aware. Awake simply means you are aware. I'm aware that something is wrong. I'm aware that there is a ministry opportunity. But being aware is not enough. Now that you're awake, what happens? I'm glad you asked, even though you didn't. Because you're called not simply to be hearers of the word, but doers. Doers who are faithful. Jesus writes in uh, uh, the third chapter, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will come in and we will sup together that you open the door. See, you're opening the door is what you're doing. There are opportunities for you to open the door for Jesus, open the door to let Jesus in. And when Jesus comes in, you heard you're never the same. When Jesus comes into your life, you are different. And here's the opportunity. Every time you are aware of uh, a situation in which you can change, that if you just allow Jesus, Jesus, who is knocking at your heart and your door, if you open up your heart, he will give you the power, the strength, the insight to change the circumstance. I don't know about you, but um, there's nothing like having good friends at the table. Jesus said, I come and open the door and, and I'll come and we'll sup together. It's nothing like having good people around the table. And one of the things that I've learned during COVID is never to underestimate the power of the fork. Some folks who put on a few COVID pounds, but there were other folks who decided that they were going to be very creative in their table. That they started sampling new recipes. They started uh, uh, trying out different dishes that uh, they began to pay attention not only to what's on the plate, but even the presentation, how it was presented. They, they anteed up, they up their ante on their cooking skills, uh, and they were doing this for an eye to the day when they can prepare a great meal for others. See, there's nothing like having great friends around a table because when friends are around a table, it's personal, it's intimate. You don't have, have a meal at a table with strangers, or at least most of us don't. Those who are at your table are close friends. And what Jesus is saying is this. He say, I'm knocking at your door because I want to be a close friend to you. I want to I want to be that kind of friend who comes and and you invite to come and, and sit at the table. And and he says to the church at Laodicea, he says, I want you, I want to come. But but don't be lukewarm about it. Eh, don't be half. Eh, eh, eh. 
Jesus says, look, you, you are lukewarm. You're neither cold nor hot. And I'm about to spit you out my mouth. Wow. How distasteful must that be for Jesus to say, I'm going to spit you out. See, there's nothing worse than lukewarm cup of iced tea on a hot day. There's nothing worse than a cold cup of coffee or, or lukewarm cup of coffee on a, a cold day. And here's the thing about lukewarm. You don't have to do anything for it to become lukewarm. And the danger of that is same thing applies to being a Christian. You don't have to do anything to become a lukewarm Christian. You don't, that's right, do, do nothing and you become a lukewarm Christian. All you have to do is just sit there and you become a lukewarm Christian. And Jesus says, that's the kind that, that, that I find distasteful. That's the kind that I, that I spit out. Jesus, lukewarm uh, Christians are, are like tepid coffee. It, it, it doesn't change or it can't hold its heat because you have to do something in order for it to hold its heat. You've got to do something in order for that iced tea to remain cold. And so I have a question for you and then I'm done. Uh, uh, what are you doing to keep the heat? What are you doing to, to, to make sure that the fire and passion of your faith stays hot? How are you stoking the flames of your faith so that the embers of empathy turn into a roaring fire of activity for the Lord? What are you doing? Because Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart saying, let me in. I want to come in. I, I heard it said that friends enter at the side door, but strangers knock at the front door. That messed me up. I didn't understand it at first, but, but I really got it because, you see, when, when you don't know where to go, you stand at the front door, you ring the bell, you're, you're not really intimate. But when you know that house, when you know that everyone comes through the side door, no one uses the front door because we all come through the side door because the side door leads to the kitchen. That's the closest place. And we all gather around the kitchen. And, and so Jesus is knocking on the door. And I wonder, is your heart open? Wake up, let him in. Wake up, op open, open the door. He's standing waiting for you to open the door. Open your eyes to the pain of the world and, and be the person that he uses to heal. Awaken to the work that is ahead of us as a people and let's fight racism wherever it shows up. However it shows up, Jesus is knocking. We are the chosen of God. Let's act like we are the conquerors through Christ Jesus. It's time to wake up. It's time for the lukewarm folks to get fired up. He's knocking because it's time for all the dishonest folks to fess up. He's knocking for the disgruntled folks to cheer up. Jesus is knocking at the door of gossipers to clam up. Jesus is pounding on the door of the strange folks to make up what would this world look like if we woke up and opened the door. Wake up and open the door. Amen.